Welcome everybody to the Spawn of Me podcast. I'm your host, Kali Adams, and I'm joined this week and every week with my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow for episode 145, Sharif Jackson. I switched it up. Ha ha. I know. I'm, I'm kind of confused. I don't, I don't know what to say except, hey, everybody. What's, what's going up. on? <laughs> good. That was good. Even though Kyle switches I, it up, I, 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 I will not be thrown off. You know that's right. We had, we had, we had so. to do it. We had to do it. New show, new show, new year. Yeah. yeah. Not yet, but almost there. And I'm joined again by my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow, the man who makes gaming looks good, who makes hair look good, <laughs> who makes bourbon look good. Cicero Holmes, how are you, sir? I am so fucking confused right now. I'm so, I'm so I fucking love confused. The response, which so, so first off... First off, this is episode 144. Second off, we're in, we're not in the new year yet. And and Reef is he makes gaming look good. I mean, I make everything else look good cuz I'm fucking amazing, but like what the this hell is happening? I cannot take it. He he right? I've lost it already. It is this is out of control. I don't have bourbon right now. I'm waiting for my <laughs> bourbon delivery and and everything is is fucking crazy. It was Two degrees below zero when I got in my car this morning. This weekend, the high will be three below zero. People, humans are not meant to live this way. I love you all. Yeah. Well, well, here's here's the deal though. So you live in Siberia anyway, Uh, Siberia. I I saw that on Twitter today, and I I didn't know how to take that because you know people would get really mad at people adding shy to things and they don't really like it. They don't appreciate it. So I was wondering when I saw that, I was like, I wonder how Cicero thinks about Shiberia. Man, listen, like, so I I was talking to somebody today and they asked me uh, how long, you know, how long have I lived here? And I said 10 years. They were like, oh, well, you know, this is where you are. This is where you're from now. And I was like, yeah, I guess I kind of have to take that. But I'm not from here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it's just like, so when it's weird, so I do feel when I see things talk about or see places or, or like pop culture talk about Chicago, there's that sense of pride of like, oh, that's where you live now. Um, mm-hmm. So I still have that, but I still have this uh, disassociation from myself being a Chicagoan. They they are still they're simultaneously them and us. Yeah, it's a difference between claiming a place and being from a place. I, I, right, I, I think right. you could claim Chicago without absolutely saying you're from it. You know, absolutely. There you go. Yeah, I still don't feel like I'm I'm an Oregonian yet. I'm I'm like people. I knew I wasn't this past that this past week when that damn one inch of snow hit the ground and the whole city fucking freak, freaked out. Oh yeah, the whole city snow, freaked huh? out. Oh, we had like literally less than two inches of snow. And you would have sworn if you heard the freaking Nutcracker uh, music playing everywhere you went. Yeah, because yeah. people were skating and people were trying to f- not fall and bust their asses. Cars were stranded on the side. People were leaving their cars. It was two inches of snow. But but I, I do feel like, or uh, especially Portland being like the whitest city of all time, would love it. Like people would be out skiing right. through, right. through, through yeah, the streets. Snowboarding. Like I think I saw, I think I saw a couple get 
a Saint Bernard rolled up on that on their car <laughs> and like made sure that they were okay. And I was like, it's two inches of snow. Well, the question is, whose mustache was better, the dudes or the Saint Bernards? <laughs> I think the Saint Bernard had a good mustache and was walking flannel right. at the same time. <laughs> right, think, and in in his little barrel was some kombucha. <laughs> That is amazing. And oh a PBR. Yeah, it was yeah, basically. So it was it was madness. It was madness. And I just didn't know what to do about it. I bitched and moaned and complained for about an hour or so on Twitter because I was just like, Y'all need to get this together. Well, like if we have enough drones in here that you could drone you can drone some salt on the streets. Well, if if <laughs> if uh you wanna come to Milwaukee this weekend, we're supposed oh to get Seven to eleven inches of snow. So is if, that what they're if, saying now? Yeah. Okay. So if uh, yeah. if uh, you want a uh, return to to the realness, just uh, book a ticket and uh, help me shovel. <laughs> Word up. <laughs> Wait, really quick before before we get into the actual show, snow on me. Um, let's With snow. <laughs> I I have so so I am lucky enough. I was you know right, we all know where we're from. We're all from the East Coast. I I have not shoveled snow in almost. Two and a half years, two and a half years, three and a half, three years, maybe. And I got to, I'm fat already. So I was like, that didn't help. Right. And I'm out of shape. So that didn't help. (laughs) So I'm out there and we're shoveling the snow because we're like part of the homeowners. You shoveled two inches of snow. I don't want to hear the rest of this fucking story. Are you kidding me? You shoveled two inches of snow. It was the hardest two inches of snow like I've ever shoveled. That That's what she with, said. <laughs> I feel like you just pushed that away with like your boot. Like uh, you right. didn't even shovel right. it. You, just you want to kill it? Was, <laughs> will, will it make it? Will it make it sound better if I said it was wet snow? Oh my gosh! Yeah, you, you, you know how you get with rid of a fork, like just like moving <laughs> stuff around, man. Fork, fork the hell out of snow out of the way. Anyway, you know how you get rid of two inches of snow? What? There you go. <laughs> The snow is, is removed. That is, that is great for audio. Yes. Thanks it, so much for yeah, that. No problem. No problem. But it's also wonderful for video. True. Which we are True on. Indeed. Which we are on now. You get to see our lovely faces. You're welcome for me and Reef. And then you get Kai as, a, as an extra bonus. I love that face. I'm so glad that we're on video so that you can see that face. That's what it's you know all what? about right there. Yeah, you know what? I got something <laughs> for that ass. And it, you know what? Thank you to everybody at home and in Bricago for rocking with us with our transition. We're doing some new stuff. Um, we had a lot of folks on, on Twitter and social media and Facebook and everybody, you know, give us a lot of love for our first uh, episode that went out. Um, and, you know, we're trying to keep it going trying to make sure that we're, we're producing really good content, trying to get bigger and better with this stuff. So we're, we're definitely um, looking for more feedback. Uh, for more people to subscribe. We have a 1K subscriber goal before the end of the year, before 2016 is out. We want to get to 1K subs. Uh, we're at 120 or so at this point. And I think we can do it. If everybody on our timelines, each one of us, mm-hmm. gets someone to sub, we can hit 1K super easy. We could do that in a day if we wanted Hell to. Yeah. So, Chicago, we can do that in a day. Mm-hmm. We can um, do it. We can do it. We can do it. So, again, thank you to everybody who listened to the show last week uh, and everybody who's going to listen to the dopest that is our show this week. We have two awesome, awesome guests. Two of the gents who are going to bring you one of the dopest games that I had a chance to almost play. To almost <laughs> play at E3 this past year. Uh, from Pixel Titans, we have Tom Glutt and Stephen Rainey bringing you Strafe Game. 
strafe game the game strafe. <laughs> it's just strafe. It's just strafe. You got it. Yeah, just strafe. I am gonna hop in real quick and correct it to Stephen Ray. Stephen, but right. I'll take it. Exactly. Stephen, sorry. So I'm sorry. happy to be here regardless. You you I shoot mad threes. Stephen. That's close. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, so rainy I'm, threes. Oh man, Jesus! Now you get to see shitty dad jokes in, in video form too. How you guys doing? Thank you so much for coming on Spawn on Me and hanging out with us. Oh no worries, it's awesome. Hey, oh my goodness. So, I so my so my almost my sad story is I I, I there was this great uh, setup that was done in this parking lot that's like adjacent to E3. Um, and it's all these kinds of uh, Airstream Airstream trailers. The Devolver lot. And Devolver has some of the dope, like the PR stuff. Shout out, shout out to, to Tinsley out there. Uh, they do a really good setup for, for their games where they have everybody in these, in these trailers. And you can go in, hang out, talk to devs, play the games, and, and get your hands on it and do some of that stuff. You guys had one of the coolest... From what I hear, because I couldn't get in. So you <laughs> had one of the coolest, coolest setups where your game was being played and you had a smoke machine <laughs> yeah. under, like under the desk. Can you explain this yeah. and then go directly into just talking about the game and letting folks know exactly what Strafe is? Uh, so, so I think we're just kind of amazed that we get to do this, you know, as far as making <laughs> games. That's um, not where either of us started. So we just kind of say, fuck it, we're going to have fun, um, almost any chance we get. So for E3, we, we weren't even going to have an Airstream. We were just going to, you know, let people play a build, you know, in private in one of the meeting Airstreams. But I guess there was so much interest that Devolver's like, yo, you're getting one. So I was like, we'll do it if you get me a fog machine. And, um, <laughs> and, and they said, okay. So, so I was like, okay, I'll bring my speakers from home because I live in L.A. And... um. So I got these huge speakers, we got the setup, and I just like basically downloaded Bob Marley's Legends album, and I would blast Bob Marley and fog the place out to the point where if we would open the door, it would like kind of have this wall of fog that just kind of started rolling out. And then our, our good friend, um, Brent from the Dodrill team who made Gungeon, he bought us a big garbage bag full of peat moss. So we were just <laughs> trolling around this, this whole area with... Um, Huge garbage badge, a garbage bag of fake weed, and like this fogged out booth where some of the demos you couldn't even see the screen. You were sitting like seven <laughs> feet away from it, right? And and we would just be playing the game. We're like, fuck, we're like really wasting our money and screwing ourselves over. <laughs> and like IGN, I remember they came to check it out, and you couldn't even see the screen for half of it. And it worked because somehow we got nominated for like one of the best shooters of the show. We didn't win, <laughs> but it was just like. Oh shit! Like okay, have fun and it works out, I guess. But that was um, that was re three. So we were just pretty much stuck in that airstream for most of it, trying to have a good time. You get bored, you try to entertain yourself. Yeah. But um, yeah, Strafe, you said um, tell you a little bit about it. It's a, uh, it's basically a old school shooter. You know, we we as far as the aesthetic, as star, as far as the gameplay feel, we really wanted to make the game you remember playing, but not the game that you did play, because I think that. You know, Quake is still great. Doom is still great. Why why try to, like, replace those games when you can, like, create a supplementary experience? And there's been 20 years of knowledge that has been learned from, you know, like, some amazing games since that time. So in 2014 when we started, we were just looking at these old games and looking where shooters were, which at that time we didn't really have, like, 
all these fast shooters coming out. So it was like, okay, let's just try to bring back this great stuff and um, create a game where offense is defense, where you can play quickly, there's a bunch of gore and a bunch of secrets, and mix it with the roguelike elements we love from games like Spelunky. Mm. So that's pretty much it. I, I remember when I saw it, so the first thing I saw of Strafe was this, <laughs> one of my, actually one of my favorite trailers that I've seen for a game. Hell yeah. <laughs> where it, it's it's like old school 80s, 90s video, He's like kid in a room playing on his gray box uh, <laughs> computer and he's like going through it and like his mom's like what the hell are you doing in there timmy what are you doing and he's like shut up mom and he's like hanging out in the room and like you see the game start to play and then he's like bl- like his, his little brother tries to come in the room and he like gets blown up and his face melts <laughs> and it's all this crazy and fun stuff like how much nostalgia you know are you guys a fan of it seems like definitely with the way that you marketed at yeah. least in the beginning early trailer that that's a definite part of kind of the feel of not only the game but kind of how you know uh, you guys are in some forms and fashions you know talk a little bit about your backgrounds about how you got into gaming and, and some of the things that kind of influenced you to kind of get to this point okay um yeah i mean steve and i both come from the world of video um i think steve was actually steve you were doing programming stuff right yeah i was um kind of not confident in the path of uh, doing video stuff. So, well, I didn't realize it was a good career move at the time, but I was just making <laughs> games because it was fun, and games are sweet. And then uh, apparently it turned out to be pretty worthwhile. <laughs> so. so, yeah, basically I was, I was directing music videos and commercials for, I'd say from like 18 to like 28, wow. about that age. I'm 30 now. And um, what happened is I discovered this, you know, like with Unity and, and this new middleware called Pro Builder, I was able to kind of create levels like I did for Doom, Quake, you know, those older engines. And mm-hmm. I started fucking around with it. And I remembered that Steve, who was a PA on a few of my sets, that um, he was this great programmer. And um, he had collaborated with a friend of mine and to make some stuff. And I was like, I'll reach out to him and see if he's interested in doing something in our spare time. So that kind of grew... And I just was, since I didn't have any skin in the game, since it was like, okay, I do my directing by day, um, I'm not a real developer, you know, I can never get into that world, whatever, I'll just put it all out there, I'll reach out to anyone I can, I'll, I'll try to get the ball rolling, and we worked, I built a team up from us two, to about, was it six or eight people, for ten months, we worked for free to even get to Kickstarter. Wow. And then, um, at that point, we, you know, I think two months out from it, I had written that spot with my friend Jake who um who was a friend from Chicago who works in advertising also and we were like what can we do that just really says like 90s and we we wrote our first spot being kind of a um a parody of it like trying to turn it up a little bit and it felt so authentic because the 90s was so over the top anyway that I was like <laughs> that that he I think it was him who had the revelation he's like the only way to make this a parody is to literally kill this kid and i was like sure sure like we don't have a client we could burn this like no one cares about our game let's just do what we want to do and um i was amazed because the day it released you know like there was it was just ended up everywhere and you know doing this for so long you you don't feel like you're changing anything you know you don't feel like your quality is different or anything like that but i guess it was just the right place the right time and everyone ended up loving it so I think nostalgia was necessary to get us on the map, and 
I think we're one of the few people in our position to have our marketing outshine the game when we started. Huh. And it's like, now I have to live up to, we have to make a game that is, is good, if not better, than people's perception of this two-minute video, you know? And uh, I think we did that. You know, I, I feel very confident about the game, but when you're advertising something that's 30% done, it's terrifying. And, um, you know, then last year, or the, no, the beginning of this year, I released another video we were really proud of, which was kind of a slight parody of the Gears of War Mad World spot, if you remember that. Yeah, um, <laughs> yes. But we used a beautiful Seth Boyer cover of Smash Mouth's All-Star. So <laughs> as you're watching it, you're like, this feels familiar. And then by the time it gets to that, you're like, oh, fuck these guys. <laughs> it's just like, it's like a great shift there. And, um, you know, just because they're so fun and, you know, as I'm directing the game, we have these extra time. Um, I'd actually shot another live action video that we're going to release uh, next year sometime. So really psyched about that nice yeah i i really enjoyed the uh trailer i i, I thought that um even though i kind of knew what was going to happen it was still mm -hmm. like some great payoff um <laughs> and, and it like actually <laughs> made me spiral into this youtube hell of searching for old because <laughs> um, because like, i used to really love like commodore 64 commercials Mm -hmm. which is what the, yours kind of reminded me of. So I started digging back into old Commodore 64 uh, commercials. Uh, so, so like it was awesome. Um, but I'm, I'm really curious to, to know what, what is it about the old school shooter that really appeals to uh, you guys as like developers, as, as designers, um, you know, what, what uh, features of that game type, um, you, you know, real, real, really make you want to revisit that world and bring it to a uh, 2016 audience. Um, Steve, do you want to talk about it, or do you want me to just keep rambling? Um, <laughs> how are you going to do I, it? I, yeah. Guys, I kind of talk a lot, so as the director, I always overshadow Steve, and I want to give him a chance to, like, <laughs> not, um, I just don't want to be a dick to you, Steve. Uh, no, it's all good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a, it was a great coincidence Tom contacted me to start the game. And he was like, yeah, I'm playing through Quake right now. This game feels so good. Like, we could really do something with this. <clears throat> and I'm, like, receiving the email. I'm in my girlfriend's apartment on her laptop playing Quake 3, like Arena. <laughs> and I'm like, this is perfect. Like, this is obviously exactly what I should be doing. So I, I went all in, like, instantly. And at the time, I was, I was playing Quake 3 and trying to get, like, my friends to play it with me. And they're like... Yeah, I don't know about this game. It's like, you, you don't get it. Like, this feels so good. Like, this is the purest game I've ever played. So I just have this, like, this deep love for the feel of Quake, Doom, and, like, it's, it's just really, uh, really special to me. Yeah, and I, I think that um, just as far as my perception of it was in 2014, it was, I think, um, March, April-ish, I, there was just, um, I was a, game gamer more than a developer like i mean i'd say i wasn't a developer at all and i was just in love with these games you know as far as going back and playing through the early id catalog playing through spelunky which i still play almost daily and it's amazing and there's just this sense of um why was this forgotten why did why did shooters abandon this style of gameplay and only go for the realism, only go for the recharging health, the cover-based? And it was, at that time, really interesting to me that there's this amazingly viable and entertaining game 
play mechanic or set or you know core loop that that was just kind of abandoned as it branched off and only pursued the other route. And I was like, we could have both. I I mean like I I'm not here to say like fuck new shooters, you know, shit on that. It's like that stuff could be great, but as long as it's not completely abandoning the other side. And right. I mean, what's really cool is um, it might be bad for us, but like in the last <laughs> three years we've been developing the game. By the time it comes out, it's gonna be um you know titanfall titanfall 2 like doom you're just seeing like all of these even the new call of duties have just gotten faster and faster and it's really cool to see that because um we are now getting everything because shooter you know shooters can be very diverse i think that we can have a ton of different um style of fps not even aesthetically but also from you know your tactical shit to your fast like never reload style doom stuff and i i'm excited to see that come back but that's what we were trying to do we were trying to just make the game we wanted to play well that actually kind of leads right into my question um which is you know we 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 have seen a diverse array of of shooters obviously the last five six weeks uh Mm -hmm. with with battlefield one titanfall 2 and and call of duty uh titanfall 2 and call of duty are, are more uh twitch shooters battlefield is is more tactical than that but but also earlier in the year we had Overwatch release on consoles and PC, um, you know, a really fast paced uh, hero shooter, and then of course in in the middle of the year I think a surprise darling to everyone was Doom, um, just how how really how great that was. Where does you know obviously there you know I mean Gears. you know lots of lots of and what was that what, what did I forget Gears too. Oh man, get, get gears out of here! Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, gears, gears was awesome, but, but like, so where does where does strafe fit on on the you know where does it fit in the Venn diagram of of shooters uh, that have come out recently? Um, you know, obviously, it, it you you know you. You borrow heavily from, you know, or you're influenced heavily from Quake and Doom and, and you know, and those mm-hmm. those FPSs, the arena FPSs of of a year years gone by. Where does where does it fit in the pantheon and the Venn diagram of of current current shooters? I mean, I would say the the most current and influential one is the new Doom because sure. even though we've been very set in our ways and very um, far in development by the time that came out I remember playing through it the first time and being like shit Steve there are so many similarities even beyond like the stuff that you wouldn't really say like this is what Doom is nowadays it was just really interesting because like even like as far as like little art things like clearly we're much more photorealistic and um, you know gorgeous of a game but it's it's just like we we've been keeping the second half of the game secret because we want something to be fresh to the people who who sure. play it for the first time and um it's really intriguing to see how influential games like Doom, Quake, Half-Life and um Unreal have been because when you take your favorite parts of that and start to like make this soup you you see elements of new Doom, you see elements of Strafe and it's like okay, I guess we're all just, you know, exhausting the same tropes and like right. um but <laughs> Yeah, I, I would say outside of that, um, I mean, there's been a lot of influence pulled from roguelikes more so right. than okay. than shooters because I think most of our influence when it comes to shooters aren't really contemporary. It's sure. been taking things like Quake, Doom, and um, Half Life in a in a big regard to 
and saying what what did we like about these and what could be changed like a small thing that was the first thing that we really i thought tweaked in a way that cut, like made a classic thing really interesting and it bums me out that it's not more games now is our exploding barrel mechanic every game has them right you see a barrel <laughs> shoot it things right. die right. and i was like well I don't like having to kite enemies to them. It's so frustrating to try to get those shots, and it doesn't blow up in time, and you're like, oh, I suck. But to go over to the barrel, pick it up, and throw it at something, and like, you know, like actually use it as a grenade variant where you don't have to hold it in your inventory. While you're holding it, it's like a risk-reward because it could get shot and blow up in your face, and yet you have this, this ability to take the pain straight to the enemy. It's like that's a really fun thing to do, and I could have seen that exist in Doom, you know, as far mm-hmm. as the new one's concerned. Right. And, um... You know, like then it went to our weapons. Like you pick up these weapons throughout the environment, you use them until they're empty. Then the the, the weapon itself becomes a weapon. So, if I empty a pistol, I then throw it like a ninja star into a, like an enemy's face, and it's like a John Woo moment. And right. I, that again, I could have seen in a game like Doom. So it's like, it's cool that we just kept saying, "Wouldn't it be cool?" or "How can this be updated?" or "What's frustrating about these mechanics?" and turn it into something that I we haven't seen before. So I think by looking at the past and trying to apply um, our frustrations as fans of games, like, oh, that would be so cool. Why didn't they do that? Um, well, the answer is because it's difficult and it takes time. And it's like, <laughs> and it's not the smartest way to spend your time. <laughs> uh, but, you know, whatever. It's, it's been a blast. How many how many different correlations can both of you, um, you know, Tom as, as a director and, and – uh, Steve, Steve, as a as a PA, um, how many of of the the tools and the and the the skill sets that you learned in your previous life have you been able to translate into your your lives and your worlds as as game developers? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to let you start this one, Steve, because I have to use the restroom. Oh, okay, <laughs> sure. I'll, I'll try to <laughs> ramble and fill this. Let's hope it's number one. <laughs> Dude, I only need 15. No, I'll be right back. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure what exactly, uh, you know, directly comes over, but there's definitely a lot of elements of being even just a fan of film or something to know, like, oh, this would be really cool for a player to discover, or like, this would look awesome to be happening, even if we're just doing, you know, effects or like, you shoot off this guy's head in the blood trail. We'll fly over this way. It's like things that make a really dynamic frame and like it, sort of the fun of filmmaking is still in games, which is really kind of cool that it's right. uh, it's not all abandoned knowledge. <laughs> I guess I guess the inverse of the the question that C just posed, um, and I think it's great that Tom just went to the bathroom because then you get to have the whole question oh, yeah. to yourself. <laughs> is, I just hope he's not is, uh, up like a uh, naked guy. Uh, <laughs> he's like a hot mic in the bathroom. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, what what has been one of the kind of most interesting things that you've learned about uh, game development now that you've kind of moved over to the other side uh, of the fence? What what are some of the things that when you kind of first wanted to dip your toe into the water, as you thought, oh well, that's not that hard, and then you, then you start to get into the development of making games, and you're like, holy crap, this is really difficult. What what are some uh, of those kinds of yeah, definitely just everything's about a hundred times more complicated than you want it to be. Even like when you get something prototyped and you're like, Oh, this is great. This will be done. Like, you know, in a day's time, it's like, Oh yeah. We're, to make this really good. Like this is going to be, you know, a week or two weeks. And it's that sort of time estimate and stuff to meet your own expectations. is definitely a bit of a shock. Also, I find 
the analogy I was using when I first made the transition was filmmaking is easier to do with no budget because hmm. – easier because you point a camera somewhere and you have light, you have physics, you have a location. Even if it's a shitty location, <laughs> shitty light, like you, you still have something. Whereas if you start up a game, like if you open Unity and like you're not relying on previous made assets, you got to like tweak all that stuff. You got to make all that stuff. Um, when we started designing the guns, it was like, okay, we modeled them. Oh, wait, okay, we have to make the muzzle flash. Okay, we have to make the projectile. Oh, how does it react? Now it could shoot, but nothing knows it's getting hit. And it's like, it's just every <laughs> facet of that had to be crafted and um coming from the other side it was like i enjoyed making props i enjoyed you know sets and that type of thing but there was a uh, i guess a speediness to it even if it felt like it was taken forever it was a predictability where i'm like i know how physics works i i, I can predictably throw something and you yeah. know like see it and in a game it's like there's so many variables i imagine there's so many numbers steve that are like just so bizarre we have like sliders between zero and point like you know like one or um you have sometimes it's like one to a thousand you know all the numbers mean so many different things from like physics steps to the mass of something to um what the light range is and you kind of have to start learning the nuance and uh, fucking with all this stuff in a way that is on its its terms and not ours (laughs) because (laughs) yeah there's there's also when you record something, it's there and it's not going away. But you can have mm-hmm. something and it's oh, this is great. Next week, it's and like then, oops, yep. that's broken, completely <laughs> broken. The worst. Like oh, all that work, got to do it again. So there is that like, there's more of a progression when you're recording something than than a yeah. It's, it's like a thing. great example is um, we had these we have these enemies called glow brides. They're they're kind of like jellyfish that fly in the air and. When as, we first as started, jellyfish do. Yeah, I mean, and as we started, we were able to give them a cloth modifier that, because um, we're using Unity, that when killed, they would then turn into like basically cloth and they would drape on things. We called them like wet condoms because they kind of like resembled that on the ground. And then when we upgraded to Unity 5, they completely gutted their lighting, their physics, and their, I, I don't know about their physics actually, their lighting engine and um, the soft-bodied side of things. So now we weren't able to render uh, cloth unless it was attached to a character. So those just now have to disappear. And we're like trying to get those back because if you look at the footage two years ago, that's one small element that I'm like, I like that better. Whereas everything else got way better. It's just like interesting to say we now have to fight to get that relatively easy feature in the first time. Yeah, Um, like is it worth the time for us to put in to make sometimes the enemy will kick this thing and it'll fly across the room and you're like, hey, that was cool. Or is it better time spent on like, you know, major mechanics and stuff? So it's a tough balance. Yeah. What, 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 um, speaking of balance, um, I imagine that there's a balance when you're making a game where speed is like one of the main things and like you want to keep mm-hmm. a good frame rate, not have it hitch up but at the same time still have it look a pretty right even even though you guys are going for like an old school look it still Mm -hmm. it still has to look good so like what are some of the sort of things that you have to balance to keep up a great frame rate and still have like the uh, visuals in it to um draw in um you know those uh kind of gamers that want the eye candy yeah that is a that is a good question because a lot of people assume since our game 
does go for at a base level of retro aesthetic that it's going to be the easiest thing to render and we can put whatever we want on the screen and it's a <clears throat> yeah there's and in, there's definitely like a lot I, of stuff i'm going to let you continue into specifics of that steve but to iterate on that it's like uh, you don't need a good graphics card to run our game because we're focusing on aesthetics more than graphical prowess you know but, but at the same time you need a great processor because mm-hmm. the amount of physics the amount of comp like um, calculations that are happening because of the playground aspect of our game, that's heavy. So you look at a laptop and you go, uh, it doesn't have a good graphics card, and the game runs like shit, you, you blame your graphics card, but it might be the CPU. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, you can dive into that a little bit more and talk about well, like the recent physics change and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, <laughs> you know, game's not dead yet, but we are making a lot of optimizations right now, so hopefully it'll run on as wide a range as we can, but I'm, I'm not going to hold you not guys to any promises. <laughs> yeah, we're not coming out on the Vita, unfortunately. We get a ton oh, of... We get asked that so much. <laughs> yeah, Vita fans are ferocious. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, we, we've had to tweak a lot of our physics things. Recently, we did a big ragdoll change, because a big part of our game is to have even like the most mundane thing feel really fun and like make you feel powerful. Like From the start of the game, you know, we have an enemy that we call like the Goomba of the game. It's the glutton, and he's kind of just a big sack of blood that runs at you. He'll he'll hit you and like do good damage, but for the most part, you're just massacring them and like feeling great about yourself. Right. And um, so we we want the the rag dolls and the blood and all that stuff to feel as great as possible. And uh, there's a lot of a lot of stuff we have to take into account. Um, all the blood and gore is like persistent, so you can come back through the game and see where you've been. Every bullet casing's there, every wow. you know piece of an arm and stuff. Wow. So we put in a lot of effort to make that stuff feel as good as possible. And, uh, and hopefully it's as appreciated as we hope it is. So um, the weird thing is, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, this amazing, uh, you know, amazing fast-paced shooter um, in the style of Quake and and doom and and half-life now half-life was was uh but they ripped us off yeah exactly (laughs) um but doom doom and quake were you know part of their appeal was the multiplayer strafe is going to be single player why why come because we we can oh oh, oh, word it's like that (laughs) (laughs) i mean that sounds way dickish i don't (laughs) it's because we can't no it's legitimately you know steve and i we started as a team of two and it and um it was kind of let's really focus on a try to make an infinitely replayable rewarding single player experience because at the time I just never played multiplayer games. That was a big aspect of it. I was always like, like I said, Spelunky was a big influence, and as well as um, you know the single player aspects of those id games. Now, I play a lot more multiplayer now, but at the same time, there is this beautiful nature of being able to play on a plane, or um, if you bring your desktop. No, I'm joking. <laughs> like, or you know, just any, anywhere you go, um, you know, being able to say like, it's me versus the game, and. Additionally, I think I just had strong opinions about multiplayer being we could sink a lot of time and effort into a multiplayer game to have people play it for two weeks and then like complain about it and move on to something else. It would be a full-time job for our small team to make a, like, a multiplayer game that is mediocre that people would like. So 
it's like look at Overwatch. It's super cheap. It's it's super replayable. Um, you know, like even the amazing 2016 Doom, it shipped with Snap Map and multiplayer, but those things were kind of shit on out of the gate, and everyone just cared about the single player. So um, even like I remember Bioshock 2, like I never touched that single player. Um, or sorry, that's multiplayer. I've only touched the single player. So for me, it was like, okay, let's focus on making this as good as it can be instead of just checking off that box, um, at, you know, on the feature set. But we do have, like, competitive things online. So we are shipping with the speed zone, which is something we've... Um, it's kind of like Quake creating the speed running community for the most part of, like, you know, at that time, people are just like, how quick can we get through these levels? exploiting all those amazing like you know strafe jumping bunny hopping rocket jumping all that stuff we were like well what if we made kind of a weak challenge that focused on this for the people who liked speed running but they weren't able to kind of commit a year two or three of their like years of their life to like climbing up that leaderboard so instead we lock a seed for a week you have infinite runs through it and it's all about just sharpening that that run trying to like lock your time it's one of those things that when, you know, you think about games that are going to come out soon, 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 hopefully soon, um, <laughs> that you're that you're like, I hope that there are like leaderboards for everything. And you hope that I'm going to get this kind of fully fleshed out suite of, of, of stuff and gameplay. Um, what has been one of the one things before we jump into our break? Uh, what, is, what, are, what are the one things that got kind of put on the cutting room floor that you wish would hopefully jump into the game at some point. Oh, easy. Um, <laughs> we actually spend a lot of time developing a, a feature for the game that didn't make it in. And um, that was co-op. Ooh. So we we wanted three-player co-op where you can have each friend take one of the guns, the core guns in the beginning, and play through together. But it was we were already about a year and a half in development when that started. We got it up and running to the point where you could shoot at each other, you know, log in online, not local, online through other people's games, and there became some huge issues about time. We'd be like, okay, we probably have to add another year to development to make this even feasible, because we're doing, again, some things that other games don't do. So, let's say the Persistent Gore, right? That's something where, since Acid is something that maps to an environment and hurts you, now we either have to account for the Acid and track this whole UV map um, for like on three different computers, which when you're looking at that kind of physics simulation, is just a mess. Or we say, screw that, we won't render it. It's all just client-based where like you have your own version of the blood and gore, but then you might be stuck in a corner and your friends are looking at you like, what are you doing? And you're surrounded by acid, but they don't see it. Mm-hmm. So there was like these issues that were like, okay, to crack this nut, it's going to take a lot of time. And um, other than just the normal work, it goes into making online co-op. So we said, well, let's focus on the single player again. And we just shelved that. So it's a bummer. Nice. It's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's what I hear from everyone who's ever made a game of like, especially because you guys have been doing video production before you got into video games. You know, the cutting room floor is is a real, real deal. Um, I, I, you know, a really another quick question. Um you know, you guys are running in a really cool suite of folks with Devolver. What has been some of the kind of cross-pollination of thoughts and ideas and and and, and kind of conversations that you guys have been having having in in not the studio but in the suite of uh, 
production or, or, uh, or that kind of stuff. Have you guys been talking a lot about, you know, how things kind of maneuver in that space? Are uh, you talking about just as, um, as in like getting ideas from other developers from that? Yeah, the like like there's a lot of cool, go- like the fact that you guys are making a really fun and gory game, mm-hmm. and, you know, and like Mother Russia, Mother Russia bleeds came out a little while ago. Yep. Yes. Uh, and you know, have you guys been like, hey, my gore is better than your gore? <laughs> like what gore? What gore stuff are you guys like? touching and be like that's my stuff and that's your stuff and like can we can we do some collaborative gore stuff um you know we we haven't traded tech with any of the guys um yet like it's a lot of it's just kind of been the camaraderie you know just either connecting during shows of um i mean the thing about game development is people are usually so busy that it's it's hard to maintain friendships outside of you know work so when we go to shows you get to see all your friends like i like there's a lot of people in the Shadow Warrior team that I love. Um, you know, the Gungeon team, Dodge Roll guys, like, are awesome. Having, um, you know, Jay Tholen, or Tholen? I never know how to say his last name, from Dropsy. It's, like, the most different oh, yeah. game you could possibly have. But, I mean, I, I respect what he made so deeply that, like, you know, um, there's been a lot of kind of talking about our games. And, you know, I think that even, like, Brent from Dodge Roll, he, he actually has tested our game given us ideas feedback and when we were in like adding new guns to it he we asked him what his favorite one in gungeon was and he basically helped us design a new gun for our game oh awesome that's but dope as far as shit talk we, we try to keep that to a minimum <laughs> yeah there, there was a time the at e3 when the shadow warrior team came in this isn't shit talk this is we love those guys they came in and, and we were uh, we were showing them that you could stomp on the gibbs and the Gibbs will shoot everywhere. And nice. they were like, oh, we have that in Shadow Warrior too." But it was like this nod of respect, like, yeah, man, this is sweet. Like, I'm right. glad we're on the same page. <laughs> nice. So, so uh, Strafe will be out on PC and Mac, but mm-hmm. there's also um, Oculus support, right? So, yeah. like, like uh, I guess, I mean, how was it, you know, so, I mean, this was your first game. This was your first foray into game development i know that steve you were you were a programmer but you had never coded games before this right nothing like this like little little hobby projects and stuff right uh so what was it like adding on the wrinkle of of the of the the oculus steve i'll I'll go to you first since you're the technical person um so we're fortunate to kind of at least vr was brought to me tom uh, had a friend who was kind of involved in the I don't know, the business of VR maybe. And I mm-hmm. I kind of didn't know a ton about it. <clears throat> and he was like, I just like tried it out. This is amazing. You have to see this. And I contacted <laughs> someone in Pittsburgh where I lived and I got it. I did some stupid demo and I was like, oh yeah, this is like for sure amazing. Like this is, uh, this is definitely worth doing. And in some ways we have a slight advantage of naturally being a, a low fidelity, low like bird to see game and there's there's some things that make rendering that a little easier but uh trying it out was just like i don't know there's a lot of things in vr that you do for a 2d game like we have the bullets actually come out of the muzzle and it seems slightly cooler in the game but when you're in vr and you feel it coming out and you see it impacting them it's like it it has the sense of real even though it's like the most cartoony gore ever it feels really real 
in a, in a uh, strange... You said photorealistic wrong, Steve. Yeah, in a really goofily <laughs> photorealistic game. Okay. Um, but yeah, so we have, um, I, I guess, some things unannounced about that that I guess I won't really go into, but... Ah, come on, is... you, can, you can go ahead and bring <laughs> I mean, I think it's fine to talk about, which is, um, you know, as far as... We started development on, on Oculus probably before, you know, before Kickstarter, right? Yep. Shit, that's been a long time. So, in doing so, it was DK2, no motion controls. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we built for. Um, that's why our HUD is 3D, is so mm-hmm. that you can actually like have a cockpit around you. We took it to a few expos um, called like VRLA, which is a, kind of a large meetup where you could test different experiments. And we were kind of trying to lock down what motion, what controls we can give players without making them just vomit all over their Oculus. So I still am convinced most people will vomit all over their Oculus, but I, I want to I mean, give them the opportunity, you know? Yeah. And um, so we, we kind of did a bunch of foundational work. We got it really awesome. And then we said, okay, let's shelf this for the moment. Let people discover all these, like, breakthroughs in VR, and let's focus on getting the game done. So as we're wrapping up, it's like we've kind of you know started digging back in it, but there's a new ecosystem of motion controllers and all these things that um, I think define the VR experience. So I think we're probably going to hold off on shipping with VR support, rebuild what we have to support or try to support these motion controllers. So instead of it just being you sitting there with the Xbox controller in your lap, um, make it so that you can actually hold the guns and, and wave them around and things like that. So we're, we're in an attempt to deepen the experience. That's, I think, what we're going to go for. Because um, at the moment, it was literally just you're playing with a keyboard, mouse, and you know, or a controller. Mm. And that is not the best experience in VR. Yeah, you have to lift up the, the headset to check the keys for a second and like put your hands back down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, when I'm, when I'm using my Oculus, I sometimes have a little gap at the bottom. So, if I yep. down, <laughs> so you can do the lounge back, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know it's, that. It's it's unfortunate. I wish they had something like the vibe where you could kind of see. Yep. You know, but but um, yeah, I, I'm really interested in the VR part part of this because I've been playing a lot of Oculus, especially with the touch controllers out now. Um, mm-hmm. But I could definitely say that any game that has a sense of speed, I feel like, is really hard to do in VR because. Yep. It like I don't know if it's just me, but my mind starts going crazy, my stomach starts going crazy, <laughs> even in games where I where like I'm falling, right? So like if yep. I miss a jump and I'm falling like for five seconds, I'm like, holy That's shit, I'm falling, you know? So uh, let's say it's completely realistic, right? Let's say that VR, <laughs> you're over ninety frames, you're you've completely tricked your brain. There are things that bodies can't do without getting sick, right. you know. So, mm-hmm. so when you have a game as fast as Strafe, like it takes a lot of work to make sure that you know, like if you spin in circles, you will make yourself sick. I'm sure. So, um, <laughs> you know, there's we hop in. It kind of changes the way you play because I didn't like the idea of sh- slowing the experience down and kind of punishing everyone mm-hmm. for like my bad stomach at times. So, like, I was like, okay, like. As we would play, it was amazing how you would start to play more realistically. You'd start to like strafe differently. You wouldn't like spin around as much, and it was it was really intriguing because it affected gameplay in an interesting way. And I found the only times I really felt sick is if I was at hit a grav jump, go like 
jet myself up into the air, rocket jump, and then try to spin really fast as I'm coming down. And I'm like, yep, that's it. Okay. <laughs> like, so, so I think that um, there's a that people talk a lot about VR legs, and I think our our job for what we're making is to make it as take out our obstructions as much as possible. Make the VR part making you sick, um, as far as like frame rates concerned, or um, you know trying to make sure that you have a, a point of reference. We're, we're experimenting right now with tunneling, kind of like destroying your periphery as you spin and things like that. But And just like hopefully, I'd say 60-70% of the audience can actually get through it and not feel sick. Oh my god, that's that's one of those things that I'm just like, uh, I'm looking, <laughs> like I'm feeling it now just like, because I, I had a really uh, not great experience like last week actually, we talked about this on the show and I was like, I had my first bout of VR nausea. Mm-hmm. What game? And uh, like everything I played. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of stuff? I think was it was like it, right. it, it was Marshall? stuff. Like I was playing. I was playing. Okay, I was playing. <laughs> that would be amazing. It's like damn. Every time I look down at these damn tiles, I get sick. Um, I was playing my on my uh, PSVR, mm-hmm. and um, I was playing. Thumper. Oh yeah, I could see that. And then I would, then I went from Thumper to Headmaster, and I don't know what it was because usually when I've played those games, I didn't get any kind of motion motion sickness or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And then that one day, it was just super weird where I just had it and it was just like, it was like threw me way off. And then the day after that, I played some other stuff and it was gone. So it was it was weird. I don't know. Maybe I just didn't have anything on my stomach. Maybe I just needed some some food to like settle me down or something. It was like Mugu Gaipan that you had with uh, kimchi. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a crazy thing to have to consider, right? Like, okay, I'm going to be playing in VR. Right. And then you got to like have a checklist almost. (laughs) Like, okay, how am I feeling? Um, Yeah, seriously. It's like one of those things you have to like, okay, like I have to make sure I don't have anything around me that I'm going to knock over. Mm -hmm. I have to make sure that I'm like, I have the controllers close to me so I don't have to get up and move without having some assistance. I think, I think you'd like, you need a, a VR chaperone. Yeah, I, like a, you need someone like if you're dropping acid. in the room. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. You need a buddy. Dude, I, 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 I almost smashed the hell out of my ceiling fan uh, <laughs> because I was playing the 2K VR experience and I was trying to take a jump shot like I actually would. And I was getting into it, so I started like actually jumping in the air. And then all of a sudden, like my hand got caught in the ceiling fan. Oh, I was like, "Oh!" oh no, I was like, "This is VR. You can fail it." I'm chopping your hand off. They actually render a ceiling fan in game. Just <laughs> right, <hitting right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so, all right. So we're we're talking VR, um, and uh, one of the and we we were talking uh, PSVR. One of the big surprises over the last couple of weeks. Uh, was uh, that you guys were um, you? You had to go really, really far to Anaheim, and um, you you showed up at PSX, and uh, and they announced that the uh, your little video game that could strafe will be making its debut on home consoles on the PlayStation Four. Yeah, they are. Yes, yes, we uh, our little game that could. PlayStation Four. I believe I can figure out what goes between that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, uh, is it is it also uh, going to be, um, or, or as you're working on the the virtual the VR stuff for the Oculus, are you also going to be doing stuff for the PSVR? My assumption would be no, okay. because 
It's, yeah, I'm going it, to say know. pretty confidently no. <laughs> um, and, and, and not because we don't want to, right? right. It's just um, right. without talking specific specs, there's you know a large downgrade between the average PC and like the consoles, the current sure. consoles. And being a very CPU-heavy game, it's like that's mainly where that hit got taken. You know, there's great you can, you can you know GPU um, video card stuff is is relatively decent there because of all the normal maps and you know specular shit that you could do now. But we don't have any of that, and it's all kind of like taxing the the CPU cores. So assuming we have to render it twice, like we do in um, you know the Oculus, it's that's going to take already struggling to lock our frame rate at 60 for the PS4 and then double that image and then make sure, like, I think it has to be over 70, right? Like to even hope you don't get sick and we'd like to be over 90. So it's just, that becomes a huge mess. And that's why I think you see like res and, um, Oh, it was a super hypercube. I always mess up that name. You know, they're great, but it's just like, because they're so minimalist, and because those those graphics aren't as taxing, so when when you have as many physics simulations, particles, ragdolls, it's just a mess. Fine, I'm just happy that <laughs> I'm just happy that VR there will be no wet condoms in it. <laughs> I'm putting those in, and you got to catch them with your face. <laughs> I I want those in. I'm almost thinking of like you know the bloopers in Super Mario Brothers, like the underwater. <laughs> you know, like I'm thinking nice. of those just floating around this game. So wet, dry con- condoms. Like it was really cool. It was like to to hit them and see like, the, oh, that sounds horrible. The life drain out of them, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> them and, then, and then to like land on something and actually have a bit of a cloth simulation. It was another way that it. it I was I have this rant about Thief Two. You guys play Thief? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love those games. So except for that last one, holy shit. <laughs> yes. Um, and then actually is there's a good point to that is I think Thief One and Two. Maybe it's just my age, but to see that type of rendering to, um, from, like, let's say, 96 to 99, right, where everything's kind of jank, right. it's a miracle that it's even running, that type of primitive 3D, when you see these awesome systems in that type of aesthetic, it makes you appreciate and recognize those systems. Whereas, because you're like, wow, holy shit, there's a stealth mechanic in here. Holy shit, you know, like, this right. is working. Um, and then all those details shine. Or they at least draw attention to themselves. Mm-hmm. But in AAA games now, the aesthetic has become so realistic that they're seamless. You don't notice them as, oh, of course that would shatter. Of course that would go out when I um, you know, extinguish the flame with water. But when, when the flame itself looks like a hack and it looks so <laughs> kind of primitive and shitty and you hit it with like this poorly rendered vial of water and it goes out <laughs> and you're like, I can't believe they did that. That's amazing. So... Um, <laughs> And that's the kind of stuff that having this retro aesthetic, we, we wanted to um, kind of put in those like small perversions that we were really into. Like the when you kill an enemy to, to see flies show up, I think that happened in Quake 2. It was just kind of like, holy shit, there's flies in this world. That's so yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I always appreciated those moments well. So that's why we went crazy on the gore. That's why we just hit, like filled the game with as many details as possible. Because, I mean, you'd be playing and you go, how sweet would it be if when I shot that guy and his blood sprang out on that fire, it actually put the fire out. So we we put it in. You know, stuff like that that I think in a modern game you wouldn't notice as much because mm-hmm. it's, it's expected to be there. Right. I and we are super excited for Strafe. And I oh, know thanks. that it's going to be coming to 
a bunch of cool stuff. And so we're going to give you the chance to let everybody know everything that's going to be happening with the game. If you guys have any more appearances that you're going to be having before uh, launch, whenever that may be. And, you know, hopefully you'll tell us exactly when it's be coming out so that we can <laughs> say it. And then we say we have an exclusive. <laughs> Sorry, no but, hot exclusives. Um, <laughs> there's hot exclusives. <laughs> I like that. That's great. We got, um, you know, we're, we're aiming for an internal date, but. I think the thing that that hurts me the most is when someone announces a release date and can't meet it. Right. So mm. our our big thing is we've been saying early 2017 because we want to make sure that as things wind down, you know, when you're looking at certification, different things like we're working on the vinyl, the soundtrack, you know, looking at potential merchandising stuff, like getting the game itself done, getting this video done. There's just so many things that are being worked on. We want to make sure it's all clean, it's all sexy, and it's coming out at a predictable time. Mm-hmm. So I think once we announce the release date, it's not going to be far from the day we re- we actually release. So uh, there's not going to be a huge wait from this point. We yeah, are ex- you, you pull a, don't pull a Beyonce and just drop it. Yeah, <laughs> just have it just come out. <laughs> Boom. Um, we do expect to um, strafe with the good we'll, hair. <laughs> we'll most likely be at Pax East again because okay. I mean we, okay. we just enjoy those shows and um, you know. I think by that time, people will have it in hand. And, when, and once we get a copy, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely play the hell out of it and, and review it and, and talk about it on the show. And then hopefully have you guys come back on and, and try to talk about all the stuff that happened in between the time that we had this show <laughs> and the stuff that happened there. And hopefully there will be another fog machine somewhere that we'll be able to go hang out. Yeah. With. yeah. I love that that story made it back to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like you guys have really set the bar high. Like, if we meet in person and there's no fog machine, I'm going to be highly disappointed. <laughs> Even if we're wearing like a backpack with it in there, yeah, that'd be amazing. You gotta have it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, so Tom and Steve, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us, man. We definitely appreciate it. Um, Thanks for having gonna, us. Oh, actually, you know what? If you want to tell folks exactly where they can follow you guys on Twitter and stuff like that follow the game on twitter and things like that as well let let folks know at home where they can do that oh yeah um you can follow us at strafe game on twitter on facebook um we have a dev blog you know sh- i think it's just strafedevblog.com where we share some art and some some of our process behind the game and um our official website is strafe1996.com <laughs> it's a great it so good. site. Oh my God. Please go. So good. Please. It is so good. When I when I shared the link with the, with the rest of the crew, they were like, what the hell is what this? Is right? <laughs> it was amazing. I, I immediately did a view source on the page. Right. Just to relive my early HTML coding days. It was great. Oh, it was, it's, it's all so tables. Yeah, Everything all in tables. there is a table. Yes. All tables. It's <laughs> so good. All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to flip the table. We're going to hopefully not have any wet condoms on anybody <laughs> when we come back. Oh, wait a minute. We'll be right uh, before back. We, before we, I mean, I fuck everything up. But, like, yes, yeah, so Tom and Steve, are you guys, do you guys have a social media presence? Do you want people to follow you? Do you want people to ask you questions? Do you want people to know about you as people, as, <laughs> as the fully fleshed out individuals that you are? How would they well, find um, you? I can uh, yeah. I can say for myself I I really like to keep away from social media and stuff That's so I'll, I'll pass this on to Tom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I I basically I've kind of gotten to the point where I do still have my Twitter and everything under my name, which is just Tom Glunt. But um, for the most part, I'm just on the Strafe account all day, nice. every day, just kind of posting stuff. It's kind of become my personal account at this point. Fair enough. 
I don't have so the bandwidth. I just it's it's difficult. <laughs> Absolutely, it is a hard thing to do. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But yeah, it's it's um I definitely get it. Like there there are some things you you'd like to share, um you know, and, and also talk about when it comes to game development that you wouldn't want to do as a brand. Right. And, and by all means, I mean if there was anyone who had questions about things, I mean it's always um they're always welcome to reach out. But if it's just things like you come into Vita. Or why isn't it multiplayer? You know, I'm not going to answer those. Right. Nice, nice. All right, Bricago, we are about to take a quick break. We're going to turn everything around, and we'll be right back after this. What's up, y'all? This is Sharif Jackson, host of Gaming Looks Good, a YouTube series where we focus on diversity in video games, race, gender, and sexuality. Check out the full archive of videos at GamingLooksGood.com. Welcome, everybody. We are back from our break. It's episode 144 of the show. <laughs> I just had a brain fart. That was great. Um, we had a lot of stuff uh, that we got a chance to kind of dig around with this week. Uh, one of the things that we talked about, I think we talked about this a little bit last week that um, we were going to see uh, this week was Mario Run uh, on all of your mobile devices and things of that sort. As uh, long as all of those mobile devices are Apple devices. Yeah, basically. I mean, I don't consider Android stuff to be <laughs> real oh, phones. Don't, don't. Wow, don't, yeah, don't jump down that don't rabbit hole. Don't get in hole. that minefield. Right. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Forget you, and, forget you and your nugget and your freaking jelly beans and all your... <laughs> whatever. I don't care. I'll sit. I'll, I'll die on that hill. I don't give a fuck. Is there a Windows care. phone version? Right, right. Uh, I mean, if there's an N-Gage version of that, thing, then you should definitely oh, do it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, N-Gage is so... Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, I got a chance to download it. Did uh, anybody else in this podcast besides Cicero get the chance to download it yet? <laughs> <Play> it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I downloaded Super Mario Run. Uh, I played quite a bit of it, actually. Um you know, um, as I said last week, and I said when we were previously thinking of the price, you know, the ten dollars to unlock the whole game, I still think is a little too high. Mm-hmm. I initially thought that before I played it. After playing it, I can understand the price point. I still disagree with it because it is very polished. Yeah, it 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 it, it looks like a, a, a 3ds or or Wii U version. Um, and, and like that, n- n- not just in terms of like just the aesthetics, but like the like the sound, even 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 though it's tapping, strangely, the feel of it feels kind of tactile. Like obviously it doesn't feel like it would feel with a D-pad and, and like buttons, but I think somehow they made it still feel like good, mm. you know, and like it, you know, like you're literally just tapping the screen, like all the running is done for you. Yeah. Um, which which begs the question why they don't call it Super Mario Tap. Super Mario <laughs> Tap Tap. Um, that's but, another um, yeah. game that's coming out. <laughs> but but um, yeah, I mean I, I I I'm I'm impressed by it. I mean they I give you three uh levels to play f- for free. Um my only uh gripe is that the three levels are somewhat simple. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some challenges um, in, in terms of like collecting, 
different special coins um and like they have kind of like two levels of those challenges and, and you know and they are like rewarding when you get them but i kind of wish that they gave you at least one example of like a really challenging level um because i feel like some people are going to pick this up and like be like oh well like that was easy and then that's it yeah you know so i'm hoping that the later levels get um kind of crazy and like I think I've been a little spoiled by Super Mario Maker, where I played all these crazy Mario levels. Right. Some that are just you know as as a uh, Grand Bear has uh, showed us are just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That I'm hoping that 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 they're blending a little bit into their uh, in, into their game design, even in simple games like I'm like a Mario Run, um, because I do feel like if it doesn't get considerably more difficult in Mario games do tend to get, you know, fairly difficult on the end stages um, that it'll be a little disappointing to me. Um, but so far, you know, I'm, I mean, I mean, I'm going to pay the $10 because I feel like I need to pay, I need to play it all the way through and like, and like so I can have a good review and, you know, when I enjoy Mario games. But I think, I still think it's going to stunt their penetration. Um you know, I don't think that they're going to move as many units as they could. And I think this should have been designed more to move units as opposed to trying to, you know, heavy profit on each uh, on uh, each uh, customer. So, yeah, yeah, I got to I played a little bit of it today, uh, which is Thursday. That is, um, <laughs> that which is, is Thursday. Good job. Which is Thursday. Good job. Uh, I know days. <laughs> um, hooray. And, hooray. <laughs> Um, and the interesting, like, I know this is going to sound like I'm hating. I know it's going to sound like I'm hating. Oh, really? Kyle Mudgeon? Get out you of know here. what? Bourbon. 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 Honestly, the funny thing is, so I was like, I was excited a little bit to see, you know, what they were going to do on another device that wasn't a Nintendo device. Mm-hmm. And I was, I got through the tutorial and I was bored to tears. Like, <laughs> I, I was so bored by the, like, just continue. Like, it, it, the funny thing is, like, Mario games are side-scrollers in and of themselves. Like, the, most of them, for the most part, that's what you do. You move from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen. You do that all the time. Right. This version of that feels like they took that, that, that core mechanic and I don't know how you dumb down a side, a side scroller, but it feels like they did. And I don't know. I, it's it's a weird feeling because I don't know how to express it in a way that's like, what did I expect? Even though I knew what I was going to get and still felt really disappointed in what I got. It's mm-hmm. it's hard to wrap my brain around exactly the kind of feelings that I'm having with it. Besides the fact that I was super bored with it and I didn't know, like I wouldn't. I have no idea how they have the gall to charge ten dollars for this thing. Like, so, uh, so I've got two questions for Reef that tie into what Kyle was saying. The first is uh, just a preliminary question, Reef. So you have you played the demo levels, mm-hmm. but have yet to buy the actual full game, full Correct. version of the game. Okay, yeah. So. Do you do you think that Ka is suffering from what you know your perceived um, 
knock against the the three levels that they that they provided that they were mundane and that well, it was going to not necessarily appeal to the masses in that way. Well, from what I, well, from what I understand, Kyle's saying the tutorial, not even the. Oh, okay. So that's I that's outside of those demo levels. Yeah, he's talking about the actual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, like most of these games, they kind of force you through a tutorial at the beginning where right, they teach okay. you this is how you jump, this is how okay. you do all that stuff. Okay. So he's talking about that. Yeah, I got I got to the, whatever the next thing is after that, and then I was like, I did a couple of the kind of double jump stuff and. You know, I got like the touchstones of what they what they do to make you know that it's a Mario game are all there and those feel nice. Mm-hmm. But in essence of like actual things that I'm doing, like I didn't feel like there was that much difference between like in me com- completing a level between me jumping on a Goomba and me just running and like vaulting over that Goomba by the fact that it just lets you do that. Like if it would feel more, it would feel different and better if the mechanic of you just running into things and you continuously moving besides pipes and stuff like that and jumps that are like over gaps. If you could make that mandatory, like you have to kill the things that are in front of you right. instead of just being, you know, or dodge them in the same way. You don't just get to like give them a high five and hop over their heads and then just keep it moving. Like, yeah. 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 Now that's what I'm hoping that later levels have because yeah i i agree with you i was i don't think they talked about this before but i was very surprised that you can't run into an enemy and die right except oh for so the what happens plants in the pipes you just hop over them you just do like a little like a woohoo a little hop over it um <laughs> so basically it's the first mario game where you can't run into a goomba and die right <laughs> And like, then when you uh, fall you in the just, holes, they like put you in a bubble, and then you float back up to the to the top well, of the. Screen I mean, yeah, but that's that's a, yeah, it's kind of like Yoshi's Island, right? Right. right but right, that's um, I mean, yeah. that's something that they've added it to a lot of the games. New Super yeah, Mario Yeah, I mean, Brothers. I but again, I understand why they made these decisions, but to me, that doesn't go toward a ten dollar game. Right. Like it. Mm-hmm. Like if you're making these these like decisions to make it easier for for a casual player. Right then price it at a price that somebody wouldn't even think twice about not getting it after playing the the uh the uh th- the uh three levels i still think 10 is a hard sell for most app store games sure you know um and while while there are games that are successful above $10 there aren't many right um and i know that nintendo has the branding and the cachet and like people have been wanting them to go to mobile for a while. Right. Um, but I, I just, uh, especially after having Pokemon go and, uh, Mitomo, which, you know, were like free to get in and like, and, and like you just paid for like upgrades and that, and like that kind of stuff. I feel like this is, uh, you know, kind of a slap in the face. Um, but I do enjoy the game, but yeah, there's just, I think these things are really going to st- prevent it from like really uh, making like a huge mark um and there's also what came out in the last few um days about it is that you have to have an internet connection to play the game right mm. um which i think is just a bizarre um idea um their official statement is that you know like they want me to access leaderboards and they want to prevent piracy 
um, of the game uh, by like I guess having it constantly check in to to uh, to uh, big Nintendo, <laughs> um, and I I like I just think all these companies need to say look when you're doing your business models just subtract a bunch off the top for piracy people are gonna pirate your shit right I don't care how much stuff you try to put on it. Right. There are going to be people that pirate it. Now, I'm not saying be lazy, right? But to require a, a online connection for a non multiplayer game is like ridiculous. Well, it doesn't it have some asynchronous stuff in it though. It does, but that's all stuff that you can, you should be able to sync up and download when you have a connection, mm. and then play it when you don't. Right. Um, as a uh, as a self titled toilet gamer. Uh, I've, had, I've had plenty of times where I've been on toilets where there's no internet connection. I can't play my one-handed Mario run. Right. You know what I'm saying? Nope. Why are you um, playing video games while you pooping? Because oh, that's man, that's I, a I, real serious? mobile gamer. That, that is that is that, that is, is right. That is the amazing time to play. Oh, right. Never, that is never prime time. You, prime never time asking you to, to make a phone call on your phone, poop hands. Uh, that's right. There you go. That's that's yeah. the reason. Shout out, <laughs> um, shout out to Anna and Jessica. I, I've got another question uh, to to you guys really quick. Is um, let's say this game doesn't it underperforms um, sales sales wise? Does that mean that we're done with Nintendo games on mobile devices? Oh or no. Do, no, because no, they're, they're, they're gonna in? make the, they're gonna make their money off this game. Like, th- if there is one thing that I have seen and understand about Nintendo fans, is they will pay for anything except for the Wii U. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, while, while you guys are true. That's true. <laughs> while you guys are playing Super Mario Run on your uh, Apple devices, your iDevices, I am going to be playing Super Plumber Trot. I think is what it's called <laughs> on, the, on the Android in the in the Google App Store. Not even you don't even Google have to Play be, Store. pirate that shit. Yes, it is like um, a palette swapped. <laughs> well, well, the funny thing is, it depends on what phone you have and what, and what firmware you're running. Yo, yo. So I mean, not to not to derail things, but yo, I got man. Listen, so everybody no, knows you? if you if you guys have been listening to the show for a few months. Uh, you know that I had a Samsung Note Seven, um, the the phone that infamously blows up. Uh, I feel my, like we should pray over you every time you say it. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but mine, mine did not blow up. Uh, it was I had two of them, and neither one of them gave me any problems. It was seriously the best phone I'd ever owned. And now um, I bought an unlocked phone from. Uh, from Amazon on the cheap and I got what I paid for. Um, and, and it is, it is really, it is, it's not, the, it's not a terrible phone, but it's a sad state of affairs. Every time I look at my damn phone and I realize what I had. And so I wait a minute. What I, so the, so the note now. seven, I'm, I'm kind of out of the loop on the note sure. seven besides it blowing up. Was it, is it, did they have to like, Recall them? Yeah. Like oh, yeah. Them? So it got recalled twice. It was a government recall. Yeah. It was. Really? It was. It was recalled twice. So there was the first one was recalled. Um, it was a government recall, and they, you know, they put the phone on a no fly list. It was a, you know, it was a, um, a terrorist. So <laughs> the phone is a terrorist, right? So then, um, <laughs> so they recalled it, and then they shipped out new phones 
uh-huh. that were fixed. That okay. you know everything was working, and um, then then that phone started blowing up. <laughs> exactly, like when those phones started blowing up. Right, it was crazy. Oh um, god, I, I'm just I was just wondering because I was like, so if you so like if the police see you with a Note Seven in the street, yeah, do, or like or like if I see you with a Note Seven in the street, can I make a citizen's arrest? I mean, and be like, yo, you have a dangerous weapon. And I need to stop you from hurting human beings. Right. In a week, not anymore, because Samsung. So most people, you know, uh, you know, followed followed the advice um, of the incessant text messages and notifications (laughs) that that you received (laughs) to to please return the phone. And and return their phone, um, um, and and for those of <laughs> for those of you who did not, or for those of you who um, went to recall, return your phone after it had been recalled, and had the person at the store tell you, "Oh, we have no record of this phone actually being sold to you that you're Holy holding in your hand." Wipe it from existence. Uh, we don't time travelers. We can't take this phone back because we don't know that it exists anymore. So take <laughs> this phone back with you. Um, for those people like that, I don't know who that person may be. Um, yeah. Wink, wink uh, for the audio. Um, but uh, yeah, for for those of you who do still have the phone, Samsung is uh, sending out a new update that will disable the ability to charge the phone. <laughs> so this so so dumb. Right. This so you so, so you dumb. have the phone and you better charge it now and the battery life is pretty good. But then it's the last charge. That's it. There are no more charges left. So you're just expected to just replace the lithium ion battery every time? Uh no, yes, no. yes. That is <laughs> you you have to um, you have to take the phone apart because it's not a, it's not like a replaceable battery. Like it doesn't have a replaceable back, so you can just take the battery in and out, um, which was part of the problem in the first place. So you'd have to take the phone apart, get a fully charged lithium-ion battery, <laughs> fuck, and then, and then put it in every single time. So like you know, I mean, because I've got portable chargers. But I can't charge the phone. No, this oh, is old school, man. This this is like when I used to carry around like my boombox and had to replace them D batteries. batteries. Yeah, you need like twenty D every... batteries, Mickey Ficky. Um, so <laughs> I want I want any time a Note Seven goes on, the Last Dance song to play. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's, just play that. See, that's your ringtone it. for every time that they text you and every time you turn it on. <laughs> last Dance. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um. Yeah. Speaking of last dances, I got a chance to play and dance around with uh, my PSVR uh, this past week, um, which was real cool because we had talked about that before. And also we had talked about it. I had talked about it on um, uh, DLC with Jeff Kanata and Christian Spicer. And Jeff Kanata on that episode said PSVR looks better on the PS4 Pro. And I was like, no, don't tell me that because at the time I didn't have one. So now that I have one, I can confirm 
that indeed it does actually help with the performance of your PSVR games. Mm-hmm. So I played some Thumper. Uh, I played uh, the Resident Evil demo. Um, I also played some Super Hypercube and Res HD, uh, which, you know, if you haven't played Res, Res in VR space is a really trippy experience because you can both, you know, use the head tracking to move around and, 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 and target enemies. Uh, but you can also like do that. Plus also use the right stick to kind of like, you know, sweep across the enemies like you did in the, in the old school game. Hmm. Um, so it adds this other layer to it. That's, that's really cool. Um, the one thing I will say is the fidelity. I don't know if it's faster. It seems crisper in the actual, just way that you see things. Um, and it feels like it maybe makes the, like the, the pixels a little bit smaller. So it makes the, the, everything a little bit, um, clear, more defined, yeah, right. clear and defined. I got so nauseous playing mm. the Resident Evil demo and it wasn't because the monsters were scary. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. Mm. It's what the, the oh, and here they lie. I played here they lie. Oh, and I played the NBA joint which mm-hmm. oh, the NBA 2K VR experience. If you're going to get a PSVR, that is the first thing you should download. Word? It is literally the first thing you should download. Word? That game, it it literally is the first thing you should download. It feels so cool. And Reef can attest to this. Uh, when you walk through uh, the initial part where you walk through the tunnel, yeah. Yeah. that feeling feels so good because they got in the height right of what a person would feel like if you were kind of at that NBA level. And, and, and the small details of uh, the spotlights around the, the arena, uh, the audible stuff that we've talked about as well last week. Um, they nail that stuff. So kudos to 2K. That's definitely a thing that you should get. And that's the thing that would, that's like the showcase pieces for PSVR. Um, but the interesting thing that I found, and this is going to be a thing that I'm, I'm worried about as far as my enjoyment of VR games. Now, and Reef, I'd like to ask you about this too. If this is something that, that VR games are implementing on the Oculus is, uh, as opposed to letting you just spin your body around with the right stick, a lot of games on the PSVR that I've played so far will let you kind of move in these 30-degree increments. And the 30-degree increments really are disorienting. And it's really throwing me off. Like, you can move around as normal in uh, Here They Lie and also uh, Resident Evil. But as soon as you move really close to an object and you move moving towards that object and you're getting closer to it, in real life your body just kind of knows and it has a spatial awareness that it would kind of just know where to like the, the, the room is and how much space you have in between that stuff. In mm. VR, it instantly makes me nauseous. Mm. And I don't know what to do about that stuff yet where it's either I'm moving too quickly or I'm moving in a direction too fast. I, th- I want to enjoy uh, uh, Resident Evil in VR. I don't know if I'm going to be able to play it though, unless I'm I'm gonna. I spent at least thirty minutes alone, fit, fuddling and and fitting with the, the 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 controllers controls just to make sure I didn't feel like I was going to throw up. Hmm. Um, I, and and I'm curious, Reef, what what has it been like on the Oculus side of things? Where, you know, are they just letting you move your head to do most of the movement besides like moving forward and backward, 
are they kind of implementing the other like right stick you know if you're using a controller um kind of movement in in degree increments or are they just letting you kind of move smoothly throughout the space no there's yeah you move completely smoothly uh there's no degree increments at all um huh. so for most games you can look you can like i sit in a swivel chair and i can swivel around 360 degrees and see everything in the game space huh. um so, for example, there's a game that I really love called um, I Expect You to Die, which is kind of like a, you're like a spy and you have to get out of these kind of weird like situations where villains are trying to kill you. So they like, lock you in a car yeah. in, the, in the first uh, mission. And I'm in the driver's seat and I can look backwards and I can see the back seat. I can reach for stuff in the back seat. I can, I can grab it. Um, so I've never sort of had that like increment thing i can kind of look all around i imagine that'd be very disorienting um if it's kind of like these these like chunks of like 30 degrees yeah um but also also i think that that comes from you know from having the motion control now as well is that i feel like you can't really do that with the motion control like you have to move kind of smoothly with it yeah um so so yeah i luckily haven't had that because i can imagine that ruining a lot of experiences if the only way that you could turn is in these like you know kind of like solid like degree measurements yeah like i can i can observe things with my head movement and the head tracking but it feels like some games in an effort to not make you move too quickly will do this kind of panorama of these these you know blocks and in the way call it was actually really difficult uh, Resident Evil because you know when you when you're trying to move through the space and also move around objects mm-hmm. it's like move stop move stop move stop move stop move stop and you get really disoriented mm-hmm. um, I'm hoping to see and they and they had a version where you did where you don't have that at all but that was even worse it felt like <laughs> it felt like that just bro- it like made the visceral parts of like moving towards stuff really not Okay, so I had heard um, that the reason that they do this 30 degree thing was to prevent nausea. Right. Um, right. And I, I know that uh, Robinson, the journey is one of the games that does the 30 degree turn thing, or at least I believe that was one of the games that I had re- read or heard or, or something uh, since I haven't played anything in uh, P- on PSVR. Um, have you have you played Robinson the Journey yet, Ka? No, it's okay. too expensive. We yeah, haven't a, yeah, we haven't gotten a co- we haven't gotten a copy to right. review yet, right. uh, mm-hmm. and that's but, a weird thing too. Like there are a couple of games on PSVR that are still unreasonably expensive. right, right. And I think I think mm-hmm. that's I mean that's part of that's part of like when you have a new ecosystem yep. is really understanding where where from a from a corporate standpoint. Where the that balance between value and and uh, profit can be? Oh and, yeah, totally. And, you know, totally. so so yeah, and, and there, you know, I mean, we're still in the nascent s- stages of uh, of you know VR, especially in the console space. Um, so right. and you know, I mean, we're we're in the nascent stages of VR in general, but on the console space, you know, we're we're barely two months in. Um, the question I have for you, Kai, is when you do that 30-degree turn, is it screen fades to black, returns yep. you to 
30 degrees, like, so you, you close your eyes and you open them and you're in a new, new environment that's, you know, just a quarter turn away from where you were? It's like a, it's like the fastest view master you've ever had. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like click, turn, click, turn, click, right. turn, and then you're, you're at the next thing. It's kind of cool when you're in some of it. Like Here They Lie, it was really, uh, it was really cool because one of the initial places that you're in is in this train station mm-hmm. and in a train, which was like one of the best versions of a train that I've seen in a game for a, real, in a really long time. It felt like I was back in New York, but like underground in the ghost version of the subway <laughs> system. Um, <laughs> Which was cool. It was cool as shit. And it's like the, the art style is really dope. So, like, when things are moving, uh, it feels like things are, like, in the background moving and pulling towards you and stuff. Right. Uh, but it does have that, like, window shade effect where it's, like, click, click, click. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that it's okay. It's just, like, you know, who knows? Like, I feel like you do have to have a weird checklist in your brain of, like, all right, did I have enough water today? Did I eat? Right, right. Like, did I, you know, like, is my body okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I remember playing it when we first got it home, and I played for a long time and didn't feel weird at all. Mm. Um, so who knows? It may, it may be some stuff that's just, like, in there. You know, and maybe the fidelity is, is doing that, too. Mm. Yep. So um, let's see. What's, the, what's, what's mm. the last thing that we wanted to talk about? I know there was one more. Um, Reef, yes. Reef uh, has some Oculus Touch stuff. That he, yeah, he so, play. like, I know that last last show i talked about how how i had all these games while all i played was super hot vr (laughs) um because it's so awesome um i still have played that but i also delved into a bunch of other games um so one thing that oculus has done really well is that they basically made this touch bundle which is sort of like 25 percent off Mm. so you can get a whole bunch of games for 25 percent off um and they're and the all touch-enabled games. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're all touch-enabled games. Um, the, there's one that I already mentioned that I expect you to die, which is also out for PSVR as well. Right. Um, just a really well-done game. Like, the puzzles are fairly intricate, so I wouldn't recommend it unless you really like puzzles because it, it's definitely one of those games where they don't really give you a lot of explanations. You have to kind of, you know... Um, um, find out the solution on your own right. S- some parts through trial and like error you will die a lot um hence <laughs> the title um but it also has probably one of the best intro sequences i've seen in a game in a while it's basically like a parody of the james bond intros oh nice um, it works really well you know it's like a full like you know like three four minute long oh, wow. song wow. <laughs> That's with all dope. these interesting graphics on it. So, yeah, it's, it is uh, pretty dope. Um, but the other game in there is The Climb. I think I mentioned this before, yeah. where you're basically just climbing up the side of a mountain. But it looks and feels so good. Like, like you're hanging off a mountain, you look down, and you see, like, the small town that you started in. Um, it's a really cool game. The only thing that I don't like is that when you miss... Uh, a ledge and you fall they added this like super realistic sound of the guy screaming oh no and I'm just like did you have to do that guys oh, so it's like no. you sound like you're about to splat on the ground right. and this guy's oh. like you know giving his last breath and I'm like okay uh, I don't think we need that yeah well don't miss next time <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, the Abundo also comes with a uh, graffiti simulator King Spray graffiti uh sponsored um, by mark echo 
Because he <laughs> everything everything you. graffiti is Mark Echo nowadays. Um, yeah, and I mean it's exactly what you think. Like you pick up a can and you just spray paint with the touch controller. I mean, there's not much to it, but I think it's a good kind of proof of concept of how the accuracy of the um, you know of the touch of the touch controller can be. Um, the other game that they had in the bundle was pretty fun. It's called Space Pirate Trainer. Nice. And it's basically in the vein of like E Valkyrie, where you're somewhere, a bunch of people come to, come toward you, and you shoot them down. Hmm. Um, but but in this case, because you have the touch controllers, you can actually take the weapon that that you have and reach toward like your back, and it'll actually select a different weapon. So it's like you're oh. so, so it's almost like you're pulling a different weapon from from your you know from your backs. That. that's dope um yeah um and they like also give you like this huge shield so so, you, so like you're like kind of like dodging enemy bullets you're putting up a shield you're shooting around the shield to get the guys um it feels pretty good um it feels pretty damn good um nice. and uh, yeah i mean it just leaves me chomping at the bits like i really want to try some of these psvr exclusives like batman um, and res and like and like that kind of stuff, um, because I do as weird as it sounds, the touch makes you feel like I have a complete product. Even though I didn't really know how incomplete it was hmm. until I mean I'm I'm like I just can't go back. Like I can't play another VR game with the controller after this. <laughs> the funny thing is like on the PSVR side is like I hoped that there would be more move integration. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like there is a lot of it. So, like, I would have liked the NBA stuff. And maybe and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I have to double check. And, you know, Picago, let me know if I'm wrong, if you can use this on uh, that game. But I, it's all controllers. Like, mm-hmm. there should have been a thing where you can use your arm motion to shoot that back. Well, there's definitely touch right. controls on the Oculus. So, yeah, yeah uh, maybe, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I maybe, totally there, be wrong maybe there are motion controls. Um, But, you know, I mean, the other part of that is also um, with with the move controllers being being an extra yet another peripheral that you need to buy for PSVR. um, You know, it's maybe it's not front and center that that these games are move compatible. But they bundled those with like they had a bundle with move controllers. Yeah, but I mean, but there was a bundle with move controllers in it as opposed to every every PSVR coming with one or two move controllers. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's it's going to be interesting to see what the parallels are going to be. I would like to see some of those games kind of move from both spaces. You know, like whatever yeah. stuff is in the Oculus Store, kind of come to PSVR if they could in some. Because the the interesting thing is, E Valkyrie still is one of the most interesting ones that have been placed on both right. platforms that seem to not really have that big of a you know de- degrade in in quality mm-hmm. uh, in some ways. So we'll see how that works in uh, the you know what's up. Oh no, I've got a question for Reef. So yeah. Reef, you were talking about uh, PSVR exclusives mm-hmm. that you'd like to play. Yes, would you? Entertain the thought of spending another four hundred dollars on a PSVR? No, no, no way. Oh, okay, no way. <laughs> okay, um, okay. Not after you know getting invested on the Oculus side right. of things. Like I right. couldn't go to a 
lesser experience on the daily. So. Okay, so there. So is there a price point for you where you would consider buying a PSVR, knowing that uh, technically it's an inferior product to the. Oof. That's tough, man, because money wouldn't really be the main driving factor there. It's really the experience. But, okay. I mean, if I could say what they could drop it through to just sell some, I mean, it wouldn't be. I mean, this sounds unfair, but it would be like 100 or something. Right. God damn. Which, right. which I don't think is realistic. I mean, it's, no, only it's, because, it's only because I already have the Oculus, you know. Right. So. Yeah. If I didn't have it, I think four hundred is a reasonable price for what it gives you. Like it's still a great VR sure. experience. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, I I was curious from someone who already has the technology, but in order to experience that technology with games that are only available on this particular platform, would they mm-hmm. be willing to pay money to and and how much to uh, experience those games on on that platform, yeah. so that's yeah. well, that's a good question. That's a good question that we can propose to to Bricago. You know, let us know if you're on what side of the fence, um, and then you know, shoot us a, a message on Twitter because I think that that's a really good question that you brought up. Um, and I would probably say I would be in the camp of yeah, I like yeah. If you brought down Oculus's price, I'd probably get it too. Right. Um, uh, we're about to get up out of here right. uh, for this episode. Um, Reef, I'm not sorry, Reef. See, can you can you share the social media businesses we for everybody so, at home? Um, before I share the social media business, I want to thank uh, all of you who have reached out and shared and uh, uh, shown your support for our newest endeavor, uh, for our newest Spawn for Good, uh, Spawn for Good Three, uh, with uh, one simple wish. Um, if you are interested in uh, helping or if you have any questions or if you want to donate something or if you want to donate some money, um, if you want to donate money early, you can go to one simple wish dot org. Uh, you can check them out on Twitter at one simple wish. Um, you can check us out on Twitter at spawn on me. Uh, you'll find our other information, the information for the three beautiful black men that you see here on your screen right now, right in our bio information. Um, if you have any information for uh, Spawn for Good and you want to send more than 140 characters, you can send an email to Spawn on Me podcast at gmail.com and uh We'll, you know, make sure that we respond to you and uh, we really appreciate all the things that you guys are doing Uh, while you're listening to the show. Make sure uh, you go to iTunes or NPR one or Google Play or your favorite podcatcher. If that podcatcher allows you to subscribe, make sure you do and tell your friends. And if you have the opportunity to rate and review us, please, please, please. I can't beseech. Uh, implore you guys enough that uh, it means it means <laughs> so much. It, it really, really, really does help. Um, what else is there? Is there anything else? Oh, go to our webpage. Yeah, you want to go to our webpage? It's spawnon.me, and uh, you want to check stuff out there. You can find our current episode, our archives, and uh, places we've been, just like DLC, um, <laughs> like. Uh, Ka has been and Reef was just on the radio as well so 
Uh, check right, that. taking over the airwaves. That's right. So, uh, so you know, check check the stuff out there. You'll be able to see our stuff there, and uh, we look forward to Bricago talking to us real soon. Word, word, and more word. And again, thank you everyone at home uh, for hanging out with us for an hour and some change, and, and, and coming back and you know shouting us out and giving us some love. So you know, again, please subscribe to the channel. Uh, definitely check us out and share us. Uh, with all the people that you know. Uh, and we'll be back next week for another episode of the Spawn of Me podcast. Mm-hmm. And we will say peace. Peace. peace.